Welcome to episode three. We are almost finished with the third week of Premier League football. This is Football Neophytes. We got Chris. What's up? We got Kyle, our neophyte for the year. What's up? Gentlemen, how's everyone feeling this fine Sunday evening? I feel great. Um, <clears throat> my soccer team won. My football team lost. And uh, someone got mad at me on Twitter for a uh, EPL comment I made, and it made me so happy. I feel like I made it. You've made it. You've made it. His statement, I saw it. I mean, I think I kind of, what did he say? Stick to pointy ball, you, you plank? Yeah, he called me a plank and that I need to stick to a pointy ball. Which I'd never heard. I guess that's football, American football, yeah. pointy ball. It's the only thing I can take of. And, you know, a plank, I guess I'm a boring piece of wood or I, I don't know. I'm proud to say that was a Wolves fan, right? I yes. Think yeah. I, yeah. Because he was upset that I called – the you know wolves matches almost unwatchable you know it, which was prophetic actually i was right this I, guy i turned it off before it even ended i was so pissed but we'll get there we'll get there kyle um how was your weekend it was good uh watched a really great match again um it was better on the American football side of things this time around. So I'm in yeah. better spirits tonight, ready to yeah. talk some soccer. All right. Yeah. Um, Kyle, you're getting a great, I mean, a great, again, we'll just say it again, a great year to start watching Premier League. So many goals. Um, after Monday's matches last week, it was the most goals scored in a Premier League uh, week ever. You watched another match with six goals. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna follow, this is the year. And I I would actually I think, and we'll maybe when we talk about the table a little bit, I think this is what we're seeing. But I kind of wondered, like going into the season, how are the, how is the shortened off season gonna play out? How is playing without fans? How are all these things gonna how are all these things gonna play out? And I think what we're seeing is. We're seeing a lot of parity in the league, only three weeks in. So there's tons of season left. So we can't like start drawing too many conclusions, but tons of goals, um, some lackluster defense by a lot of teams. And I think that, I think that that could be the result of a shortened, a shortened off season. So. And is it okay if I just say, I love it. I'm a okay with everything being crazy. Of course, yeah. Why not? Parody's great. Um, lots of goals is fun. Is fun to watch as well. So, let's jump. Let's jump right in. Um, Chris, yo, tell us a little bit about about that Man U Brighton match. It was it was crazy. I I you know in Arizona it started at four thirty in the morning. So I, I told I told the wifey, I said, hey, heads up, there's a 429 alarm clock going off. Don't worry, I'll go to the couch and watch the game. Um, but you didn't just watch it in bed and keep yeah. it open. That's kind yeah. of it. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, I'm not gonna pull that move. I'm not gonna pull that one. Um, but uh, you know, rolled out of bed, got to the couch, put the match on. Um, Manchester United got outplayed. There's no way around that fact. Uh, Brighton 
maybe should have scored seven goals on the day. They hit miraculously. They hit five goal, five posts. Yeah. Um, so they had two goals in the game. They hit five posts. So the great goalkeeper that is David De Gea got beat seven times in this match. Luckily for the woodwork that was there, they only got two of them. Um, and what was crazy, Brighton just outplayed them just the whole match for the most part. Um, there was a spurt there in the middle where Manchester United actually played some good ball. Um, Brighton went up 1-0 at like the 40-minute mark right before half. And within three minutes, United went down, tied it up on a really nice set play cross from Bruno, um, who continues to just be probably the best player on Manchester United um that gets tapped in and then uh coming out of out of halftime they score again on a really really nice um Marcus Rashford goal uh yeah, he, he danced right around those guys candidate for goal of the week he just he put them in the spin cycle and just tortured them is yeah. a really pretty goal so they're up 2-1 for almost the rest of the second half but it was all Brighton controlling the game just constant pressure constant shots on net I want to say I don't have the stats in front of me but I want to say it ended at like Brighton had like 17 shots to Manchester United's five at the end of the game um it was crazy and the whole time I'm watching it I'm like I got up at 4 30 for this draw it's absolutely going to end in a draw because classic Man U at the end of last season was giving up late goals to to take a draw and it happened again in the nine so it was a six minute stoppage time add-on and at the 95th minute Brighton breaks through gets the header past a flailing De Gea and they tie it up and they celebrate for a long time and as you do in extra time as you do a hundred percent they did everything right Finally, they come back out and, you know, 30 seconds left, maybe that, or, you know, the ref gave them a little bit, another minute because of the celebration time that happened. Manchester United goes down, gets a corner. Their first corner of the game comes at the 97th minute. Bruno crosses it in right to Harry Maguire, hits a header, kind of floats almost to the corner of the net. The Brighton defender, not the goalie, heads it away. Yeah, it was a great that play. was the whistle, ball game, 2-2 draw. But Harry Maguire freaks out and starts flailing his hands around, saying there was a handball. And sure enough, they go to VAR, and it clear as day. This yep. is not a controversial call at all. No. Uh, Mopi sticks his hand out, and right as the ball's coming off of Harry's head, it hits his hand. Nothing you can do about it. It's a penalty 10 out of 10 times. It's the right call. And Bruno Fernandez doesn't miss penalties. You can't, you can't give Man U penalties at this point because Bruno Fernandez is just too good. And he buried it. It was his 18th straight uh, penalty kick success. And final whistle at the 100th minute. Ball game, 3-2. Uh, Manchester United pulls off probably the craziest, weirdest victory I've ever seen them pull off. I, the part that made me laugh the most was if you saw the game – uh, Brighton's first goal was on a penalty kick where Mopi. Yeah. Again, going, it was a great, it was a great PK though. It was, it was awesome. So ballsy. Uh, going back to like 
how much I love the, the commentators in the EPL. They were just like, what a cheeky shot. He is so full of himself. And he just kind of chipped it and watched De Gea die. I mean, he chips it right in the middle of the net, but De, De Gea dives early and it just yep. floats in. But the best part was, is he runs over in his celebration. He does this little crybaby, yeah, you know, taunting almost. And the game ends with him committing a penalty in like the 97th minute and Bruno buries the goal and he walks through the tunnel crying because he cost his team the, the two points. Now that handball uh, was, was legit. Clearly Moppy, his hands like kind of flying towards the um, Harry Maguire and clearly, but the big news of the weekend really is, is this new handball rule. I don't know if either of you guys have, have heard about it or maybe you heard about it in, uh, when watching some of the games, but the new handball rule is whether it's intentional or not. If the ball touches your hand in the box, it's a handball. Yep. The moppy one's clear, but uh, Tottenham in their match against Newcastle today, um, it kind of glazes his hand, but his hand was away from the body. So there's a handball penalty given. Newcastle ties it at the end of the match. And we didn't really talk about it last week, but in the disaster that was Crystal Palace, Manchester United, um, Crystal Palace's second goal came on essentially the same thing where Lindelof was trying to head a ball away and he heads it and it goes down and hits his hand and, and skims off. Yeah. They got the PK. De Gea stops it. VAR reviews it. He left the line like yeah. a millisecond early. So they give him another shot. He buries it and Crystal Palace goes on for the victory. But same thing where it was a, totally unintentional like off his own head just skims his hand and there's your pk yeah well so, it happened i mean a bit crystal palace in the butt today because they had the same thing happened um in their match and unintentional handball i mean i know it's a bit subjective but it appears to be unintentional handball um and it seems like it seems like most most people are frustrated with this with this rule. Managers on both sides. Um, I can't remember which interview I was listening to. It must have been uh, uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. Newcastle's manager. I think after the match, they were asking him about it, and he was saying it's a bad rule. Um, they they need to change it. It benefited us this week, but it's gonna burn us later later in the season what do you guys think if the ball hits a guy's hand in the box should it just be cut and dry or should there be some subjectivity to it and whether or not it's uh intentional or not i want to hear you guys argue it out and then i'll and i'll make the determining factor okay so i think i'm okay with it how it is um it, they kind of the rule kind of came about last year i believe where they were kind of more stringent on i don't think it was as black and white where it was if it touches the hand at any time it's a pk inside the box but that you could tell that that's where they were going and there was yeah. there were multiple games where that came into play for sure and, and that was it so i kind of feel like it's just cementing the rule that was already there um 
it, it got Man U a couple times last season where, I mean, just stupid stuff like, like the Lindelof header I was talking about. There was a play last year where they Pogba tried to volley back to Bai. So it was an own pass from Pogba to Eric Bai, and it went over his head and he tried to jump and shoulder it. Well, it caught his bicep. Yep. Penalty kick. Yeah. It was like it, they weren't even the opposed the opposition wasn't even in the play. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know. I guess I kind of fall into the I'm okay with just decide on that's what you want to do and go with it. Yeah. Route. So I guess I'm okay with it, but um I, I don't know. I you know, being a big NBA fan, the biggest problem in the NBA is the referees and so much of the calls in basketball are subjective. Yeah. And I would rather take subjectivity away from officials and let the game kind of dictate itself and play itself out. And so I think because of that, I'm okay with it. Just black and white. If your hands away from your body, it hits it. I don't care if you meant to do it or not. It hit your hand. Your hand wasn't, you know, tucked. Yeah. I think that's part of, I think as a tradition, I'm, I'm definitely more of a traditionalist. So I appreciate like the traditions of sport and the traditional way of playing sports. I, I find myself shifting a little bit in baseball, um, but I think the argument with with the handball rule is an argument from tradition. As you hear people talk about it, you know they'll often refer to it's been the same handball rule from the invention of the game, essentially, and now they've changed it. So, so I so I my my traditional heart like bends that way. But if I just look at it objectively or as objectively as I can, as I can, I agree. Like removing subjectivity from, from the game is, is actually helpful. It makes the game more, more true. And if it's, if you, if your hands away from your body and the ball hits your hand, whether it's intentional or not, it is changing the way the game, like what happens in the game. It's, you know, if, Moppy's hand doesn't touch that ball. There's more pace on it. And does the ball go in? Like the defender's not able to get there in time. I mean, I think you, I think in some ways, and his obviously isn't one we're talking about as being controversial, but um, I think we have to, I don't know. I like taking the subjectivity out. So is having the, yeah, is having the players play in straight jackets, is that off the table? (laughs) I think um, it's- I, here on it, it's interesting because listening to your arguments, it sounded like you guys both kind of landed in the same spot, um, being okay with the new rule. I am going to go the other way and, and not just to be a contrarian. And I'll tell you why. I think the penalty for a handball is so severe. Oh, uh, yeah. That it's a guaranteed goal. It's almost a guaranteed goal. So it's, you know, one equivalent, you know, could almost be like a a kickball on basketball where it's like, did the guy mean to kick it with his leg or did he not? But the the penalty for that's just the possession of the ball. It's not, it's not a a goal. And so that the penalty is so severe that I think you have to make sure you get the call right. And if we weren't reviewing every single play with VAR, then maybe you just go with, you know, you take subjectivity out of it, but because you can look over the play, right. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think you can look over the play with a 
fine tooth, slow mo comb. Yeah. Um, I I think you you can almost tell if it's intentional or not. And I think because of that, I would lean towards mm. keeping the rule the way it used to be. Yeah, I think I mean I think I think that's a good argument. I, I think uh, Across the Pond had the tweet of the week for me. Uh, they said, if I was a defender, I would simply chop my arms off. I don't see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Uh, Kyle, you watched West Brom Chelsea, another high-scoring game. Uh, give us your thoughts. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just uh, – I'm a goal machine. Whatever game I'm watching, we're going to get at least six goals scored. Um, so it was exciting. It was interesting. I went into the game, right, and I actually had intended to focus on Chelsea. Uh, I wanted to – I was hoping that Christian Pulisic was going to play. Um, I wanted to kind of see one of the, the more premier clubs. But I found out quickly – so well, I switched my – interest quickly is what I should say and there's a couple reasons for that one Christian didn't play so uh that that kind of took my focus a little bit away from Chelsea number two I realized that when I'm watching a match who whichever team is at home I'm more drawn to that team because um you know you're in their home stadium we don't have fans which is unfortunate because I really miss that part of it but with the the way that they do the covers over all of the seating, um, oh yeah, that actually that actually well, first of all, it's way better than anything we're doing with American sports, and so I really appreciate. I think it just looks great from a TV perspective, but it also allows me to see they put the slogans for each of the teams or oh, for yeah. the home teams on there. Um, they'll put you know different aspects of their culture and, and whatever. And it really gives me a, an opportunity to um, learn more about them and then kind of go from there and do some more research. And so in this instance, West Brom was home and uh, was really drawn to curious why certain things were on um, some of their signage. So for one thing, they had a Bible verse on their signage. The Lord is my shepherd was on their um, their tarps that they used to cover up the, the the stand. And so that got my attention. And then the last thing was uh, they Chelsea went down zero to three to start the game. And so yeah. I was like, who who is this West Brom team? I have to to learn more about them. So I did that. Um, really interesting, right? They've been around forever. They're one of the 12 founding members of the first pro league in, in England, but they basically have been terrible ever since then. Um, they've been about a hundred years since they have won uh, the crown uh, or they've been named champions in England. Uh, so over a hundred years, their last major trophy was in 68. Um, so they've just not been good for a long time. Um, but they got off to a really hot start in this match. Um, a couple other things that I thought were interesting. So I did some research on that. The Lord is my shepherd. Their chant for their team 
is literally Psalm 23. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will bow down. Like all of that is their chant. And they, they, they chant it um, like a typical soccer chant, but they're quoting the Bible. Um, and I didn't find where the origin of that came from, but I found it so unique. It was, it was just really, really interesting. That is um, fascinating. And then kind of funny, they go from that kind of this very like old school, uh, you know, uh, religious chant to when they score a goal. Now they all, all their fans jump up and down and yell, boing, 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 boing. (laughs) So they're an interesting club to say the least. Um, Dude, that's that yeah, you brought up, that's something you brought up that I think is like uh, it's like maybe the worst part about you watching Premier League this season particularly is it really is a massively different watching experience um, when there's fans in the crowd. I mean, one of my favorite terms I learned um, back in my first season was limbs. Mm. And limbs is the term when you score like a crazy goal at the end and you look in the crowd and all you see is freaking limbs, <laughs> <laughs> like arms and legs. And uh, it's so, it's so great. So, and you, you're missing that, right? Like mm. it's, it's a shame. So, but keep going. It really, it really is a shame. Um, I, I do definitely miss that part. Um, but YouTube is good for some of that. So I got to see some of their fans in in years past. Um, But yeah, so they got off to a really hot start. West Brom did. It was exciting. They were really pumped. Um, And they just weren't able to sustain sustain it. I mean, Chelsea was just – Chelsea is the most – to my neophyte eyes, they are the most, um, like, talented club that I've watched so far. Um, they just looked like they had so many guys who could score at any point. And um, I was just really, really impressed, kind of, you know, sort of rooting for West Brom as they had a 3-0 lead and just hanging on. Um, and Chelsea just kept clawing back, clawing back, clawing back. And so they were really impressive uh, as well, but um, was was exciting to learn more about the, the, the very interesting club of West Brom. Yeah. I just want to highlight the Hudson Adoy Havertz give and go. I think it was I think it was Chelsea's second goal. It was it was just like beautiful. And maybe that's a little bit of what you're talking about. That like just such high quality. The passing that right there was so crisp. Um, that was that was one of my favorite like goals of the week. Yeah, that was a pretty one. Um, it was also crazy. They tied it in the 93rd minute. And then almost won it in like the 95th because they just didn't stop. They just kept going. Yeah. Yeah, I think they say and they say that 2-0 is the most dangerous lead in soccer because it's like when you're only up one, you still got to play real tight. And when you go up two, especially early, you can get a little more lax. And so um, – I think that's some of what you saw, right? Is you're up three nil. It's hard to keep playing with the same intensity. And then once a team gets momentum, especially with fans and stuff, it, it becomes pretty, 
it can it can really turn the tide. Maybe a three zero lead for West Brom is a two zero lead for every other club. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what I was. Uh, yeah, that's what I was rooting for today when um, when the Hammers went up two nil on Wolves, but it just they just kept going and Wolves kept sucking. So. Uh, maybe, maybe Wolves just got confused. They were like, we're up 2-0. Let's relax, guys. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, that, that's what it looked like. That was a, that was a pretty pathetic um, match. I don't know what more to say. Roman Seiss, he's the one who gave up the PK um, on Monday to, to Man City. Um, he looked bad again. There's, we have a lot of problems on our left our left side defense um, and until I, I don't see that getting that getting fixed anytime soon. So I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Did you guys, did you sign a left back defender this week? Right back. Right back. Okay. Yeah. So play left? <laughs> tomato. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. I think. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, but the, the defense, which I thought, is going to be a stronger and has been traditionally strong with Cody and Bali in the back and then adding tomato. I mean, they've added a lot of players. And so that's just like any sport, it's going to take time for them to gel. I, I trust, I trust Nuno. I think he's going to get it together, but um, you know, we have a couple key injuries that, that don't help. And I mean, key injuries don't lead to four nil defeats to teams that I, thought would be getting relegated so you know they just they just looked they just looked bad they, they didn't play there wasn't much fire there wasn't much movement up front Pedro Neto he he played left uh he left the played the left side of the of the front of the attacking front and he looked great but Raul wasn't really seen much in the match. Traore really wasn't seen much. Um, so it was pretty, it was, yeah, it was pretty pathetic to be honest. Um, we don't really need to go through, through all the matches. I do want to highlight Leeds with another, with another victory. Um, this, this one, not, this one, not four to three, this one, just a one nil. But the reason I want to bring up Leeds is because their their keeper, who obviously has already allowed seven goals in the first two matches, so didn't catch our attention, uh, Meslier is their keeper. I don't know if you guys saw him. He looks like he may be 12 years old. He is the youngest looking dude I've ever seen on the pitch. It was like, it was shocking to me. And I do think he's young. I actually didn't do the research, but. He is young because I heard the commentators talking about how young he was. But he looks like he's 12, but he played great. He had some great saves, some great saves today in that game. It was kind of all over, all over the box. And, and I think he probably won player of the match. Yeah, the Pat, Patrick Bamford header to win it in the 88th minute was pretty nice too. Yeah, yeah was. that was good. And while we're shouting out keepers, I do want to shout out Darlow from from uh, Newcastle. He made he made a ton of saves today too. Um, he made one early early on in that match. I don't know, it was maybe the ninth or tenth minute where um, 
it was like a double save where there was a strike, he got a glove on it, and then the rebound came in and he made another stop. So he looked real good, real good today too. Well, for shouting out goalies, I'd like to shout out Dean Henderson, who should be starting at Manchester United, who uh, held a shutout in the FA Cup game this week. Uh, Dean, please start and goal over De Gea, please. He may be. He may be soon. Um, I Actually, well, this is what's crazy. I forgot to mention this during the Manchester United part. Their FA Cup game this week is against Brighton Hove Albion. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the teams are playing twice within four days, and it already was chippy enough at the end of uh, Saturday's Carabao you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Carabao, yeah. Yep. I do want to highlight um, Everton, nine points. Uh, they beat Crystal Palace away, 2-1. Uh, we talked about that a little bit with the, with the handball. Um, and then – I think we can finish off with a little Leicester Man City. Leicester laying the smackdown on City 5-2. Um, most goals Pep's ever allowed in his coaching career. Um, what do you guys think? Vardy with the hat trick. You know what I love most about the Vardy game? Is that he gave up the penalty kick when they were already up 4-2. Uh, to kind of a younger dude on the squad. I'm trying to pull up his name because I totally forgot it. Uh, but, he, I mean, two of his three goals were on PKs. And yep. then, um, you know, he had a chance at getting his fourth, but he let, um, I can't even pronounce, Tillman's. Um, oh, yeah. Yori Tillman's. He let him take that last one. Um, it was a crazy game. It was weird to see Man City get dominated like that. Um, but it was, you know, there were three penalties for yeah. Leicester in that game. And that's, I mean, it's pretty rare to see one other than these new handball rules we already talked about, but for three of them, and I don't think any of them were on handballs. They were all contact in the box on scoring chances. Well, and we didn't talk city wolves because it was on Monday, but yeah. city city's got problems in the back. Like it's it's very clear. I mean, Wolves Wolves lost three one, but they had some. Jimenez missed an open shot. Um, they had a couple like goals. Like Wolves really could have could have got a point from that game. I'm bringing that up to say City is suspect in the back and very clear with this match. I mean, Leicester just took it to them. Um, a couple of the best goals of the week were in this. I'm, I guess when you score seven, when you <laughs> score seven goals in a match, you're going to get some good ones. But that my thing, my favorite was that Vardy flick. It was his sec, I think it was his second goal. Cross comes in, and he just kind of backheel. He kind of lets it go by him almost, and then backheels it right over, um, right over Edison for the goal. Yeah, that one was sick. I had that on my list. Uh, we talked about the Rashford goal where he put him in the spin cycle. Um, Mares. Mares' goal. Absolutely. Um, and even Mason Mount in that Chelsea game. I, like, I watched it over and over again. He had a really great strike from outside the box. It kind of curved. The goalie literally never moved. So yeah, I, don't I, know saw that. He, I don't know if he never saw it, like he was blocked by his defenders, or if he thought it was going to come at him and then it just kept swerving away from him. And he was like, meh. 
I'll just stand here. Yeah. I mean, he literally doesn't move. Yeah. Um, who do we give performance of the week to? Can I give it to Trissard for the hat trick off the posts? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you hit, and, and I mean, they were beautiful strikes and they were all hard right off the post. He should have had a hat trick. Instead, he gets none but three uh, post shots. Oh, by the way, this isn't performance of the week, but our boy Lamptey yeah. is the one who drew the penalty. That first. He did. Um, yeah, it was definitely a penalty on Bruno. He clipped him from behind. Yeah. Uh, that was literally the only Lamptey highlight of that game. He actually was pretty underperforming. For really? The, I, for didn't, I, I didn't get up at 4.30 to watch it. So I mean, I don't blame you at all. Um, if it hadn't ended as crazily as it did, I wouldn't have regretted getting up that early. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, other than that, he got that PK for the team, but he really underperformed. He really didn't do much. Yeah. Well, I think I got to give performance of the week to Vardy. A hat trick's a hat trick. Um, yeah. Obviously, two PKs makes it a little easier, but that that heel flick goal. That was so, so sick. sick. And it wasn't even like – it wasn't like a, just a typical redirection. Like, like you see guys just kind of stick out their legs and get redirections. Like, he literally flicked it, got it yeah. up into the air over a sliding defender. It was just – it was awesome. Yeah, it was so good. All right, well, let's jump to the term of the week. Um, Kyle, what do you got for us? So you mentioned this on last week's pod, and in the spirit of the match that I watched this week, which ended in a quote-unquote tie, I wanted to talk about the term draw. And it looks like you had some background on where that came from. I'd love to learn a little bit more. Yeah, I think um, I actually I actually don't have as much of an understanding of where draw comes from, like, but more why they don't say tie. So okay. I think draw is just like okay a term that means what we would say tie the problem is is they use the word tie for non well, let me see if i can remember this correctly a match that's a non-league match is called a tie so i'm pretty sure carabao cup matches are called ties so because of that, they have to use a different term than draw or than tie when it's a draw. Gosh, that's so confusing. <laughs> does that, does okay. that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, if it, if it means something else, then, um, then it makes sense why you can't use that word. Um, it's like, well, never mind. I, I was gonna use another example that I don't think this is an R-rated podcast, so I'm not gonna use that example. But uh, um, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, I think so. If you think about it, like the idea of tie is like two things being tied together. So I think that makes that's why tie is used for a match. Draw. I actually don't even know. And then you add the word fixture, which they actually use the word fixture 
mm-hmm. more than they use match. Huh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So even if you look at like the top of the Premier League website, it says fixtures, right? And that's that comes from the idea that like the game is fixed ahead of time. And so it's fixed in place, so it's a fixture. So they're so proper. Like I don't know, you know, I feel like I'm some hillbilly talking when I when I watch soccer, which maybe I am being an American. Um, but yeah. they're so proper in their language. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think we are lazy. Americans are lazy with our English, and I what? think <laughs> I think British are just more like technical, right? So they use multiple terms to mean what we would all use the same word for just kind of it's lazy you know yeah and they they have so many cool ways to say stuff like um one another one that i've been thinking about using is a term of the week but i know what it means it's just a cool way to say it is when someone gets their first goal a lot of the announcers will say they've opened up their account <laughs> and, totally. uh, that, that was my terrible English accent. I didn't even really try. I just kind of changed my voice inflection. But open up the account as opposed to saying he got his first goal, which is what you know any American would say. Um, but yeah. saying it the other way is so much cooler. Yeah, way cooler. So a tie is a match that's a non-league match. I think particularly for like like the cups and everything. And then a match can be called a match or a fixture. Okay. And maybe match is – my guess is match is the more, like, overarching term. Tie is used for cup matches, mm-hmm. cup matches, and fixture is named for league fixtures because it's, like, there's dates set. And I think the reason for that is because um, the ties – are changing because it's in a it's in like a like who you're playing changes because it's in a like tournament format right so it's not fixed yeah that doesn't i'm drawing some i'm drawing some conclusions there but i think i think that's why they use the two different terms all right let's look at some hair um i i chris i saw i saw who you wrote down on our little uh sheet and I looked him up online and I'm like, what's the big deal? Does Chris have hair envy? Cause he looks like he's got a pretty nice looking head of hair, but, but then I watched the highlights of the match. So why don't you tell us about uh, your hair watch? Yeah, I wasn't a hundred percent sure where to fit this in. Um, <laughs> Chris just changed his background. <laughs> um, you know how much I hate it when players wear hats and stuff on the pitch um eric garcia from manchester city and he actually did it earlier in the week in the caribou cup game that they played too um he donned a helmet but not like uh you know if there's americans listening to this it's not like your traditional football helmet uh it's kind of like a water polo helmet or a wrestling uh helmet that you would wear it's it's really strange, but I was watching the highlights of that match, and I was like, no way. That is amazingly awful. 
and uh, it cracked me up. And so I definitely wanted to highlight Eric Garcia this week for donning the helmet for his second match in a row. Um, I don't know if there's like an injury history, like a concussion thing. I mean, look, I'm all for guys protecting themselves. I'd rather, you know, I hate injuries. I I want players to play. I, you know, nothing worse than when a good guy goes down, you know, like in football when Saquon Barkley tore his ACL last week, that's sad. Like he's a premier player who's really good, really fun to watch. I want those guys playing all the time. So hopefully this is like an injury protection kind of taking care of yourself thing, but it cracked me up and I had to put it out there. I like it. What's it's really point? bad, but I, it almost is like, uh, you know, it's like when Barry Bonds, this is a baseball analogy, but when he wore all of that armor on his arm, right? And he, and he would just lean into pitches or, or stand real close to the plate because he wasn't afraid of getting hurt. Um, and it was to his advantage. It almost seems like wearing that soft helmet on your head <laughs> would be an advantage to a player. I mean, it looks ridiculous, but I think it would take some. It seems like it would take some pace off the ball on a header, though. Like if it's soft, like you got to think some of the pace on a header comes from the hardness of your skull, right? So, I don't know. <laughs> seems to me like it would be this this advantageous. Like if you guys have, a, if anybody is listening to this and you have an answer for us that's better than what we're offering, yes, tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> But the hair that I did, I did like uh, Eberiki Eze from Crystal Palace. He's one of their new signings this year. Just some nice flowing dreads, um, looking good. Uh, you guys have known me. Oh, Kyle maybe hasn't known me long enough. But Chris, you've known, you've known me from the days I had my little bleach tips. Um, so I was a big fan of Tammy Abraham's kind of. <laughs> Big mohawk with the bleach tips, looking real good out there. Yep, good old Tammy. Hey, I've got nothing on hair watch, but I did forget to mention those Chelsea pink kits uh, were well. So I thought they were terrible, and they're they're bright pink with a little bit of blue. I hated them. I was watching the match or the fixture with my wife, and she. <laughs> immediately loved them and became a Chelsea fan right away. So oh, I guess okay. you got to play to your audience a little bit. There you go. That's true. Yeah. I was planning on mentioning that when we get to our lock reviews, um, uh, you know, not to spoil the fact that Chelsea and West Brom tied and I picked Chelsea as my lock of the week. They didn't tie Chris. Uh, they drew. And um, I, you know, I was going to mention if I would have known that Chelsea was going to wear those horrible kits i would not have picked them in my lock of the week yeah it took them 45 minutes to kind of shake shake that off shake it off (laughs) all right well let's talk let's go to american watch all right and now for our lock of the week (laughs) Let's, oh man, let's go, let's review our locks. Um, I, I went with strong Wolves. I went Wolves over West Ham. It was, it was guaranteed to happen. Um, and it didn't, that drops me to one, one for the week. Hey, you were only off by four goals though. I was off by five goals. Five goals. Five yeah. Goals. Um, 
Chris, you were also wrong. I, when I looked at our sheet, I had both of ours in red as getting them wrong. And then I looked again and Chris had changed it to orange, trying to claim a lock that is not true. So Chris, who'd you pick? What's that? Who'd you pick? I picked Chelsea. I picked Chelsea over West Brom because I think picking against West Brom on most days is going to be safe. Um, again, if I would have known Chelsea was wearing the pink kits, I would not have picked them. I don't know how you could play as a professional player in those, um, but it is what it is. It was a draw. Therefore, I did not get my lock it in winner correct. Does that, does that make you one and one or oh and it, two? It does make me one and one. One and one. Kyle, who'd you pick? So I went with uh, Aston Villa over Fulham. Apparently they don't play until tomorrow. They play tomorrow. Yes, that was yeah. our bad too for not, not noticing that either. So um, why don't you tell us who you're picking for next week also? So for next week I'm picking who's playing Fulham? The Wolves. So I'm picking Fulham to lose twice in one week. Lock it in. Lock you it know, in. This week, hey, the good news for Fulham is they didn't have a bad week in this week because they didn't play. But they're going to have a really bad week next week is my prediction. Well, Kyle, you're still the only undefeated uh, pundit here on, on Football Neophyte. So well okay. done. I'm also taking Wolves over Fulham. Uh, I don't, maybe it's stupid, but I guess I'm just going to I'm gonna live by my team. I think Nuno will get it fixed. So I trust. And Nuno, we trust, little phrase Wolves fans say. Chris, who are you going with? I'm taking your top-of-the-table team, Leicester City over West Ham. I know West Ham's a bunch of world beaters right now, but I kind of like what I'm seeing from Leicester. West Ham, they're so good. Don't, don't bet against them. Can we talk about the top of the table real quick? Yeah, uh, yeah, we, we teased it a little bit earlier on. But uh, in the top six, we've got Everton, Crystal Palace, and Leeds United all in the top six. I mean, granted, we're three matches in. Two teams haven't, haven't – or four teams haven't played yet this week. Uh, but nobody probably put those three anywhere near the top six. No, no. I think – I mean, yeah, Everton – it seems like Ancelotti's uh, signings, they spent a ton of money last year and were really disappointing last year. It looks like that team's really starting to gel. So they're looking, they're looking great. Um, Crystal Palace finished the year so bad and they're playing well. Obviously they lost today, a little bit of a controversy, but, um, and then Leeds, I mean, we picked them to be the, the best newly promoted team, but, yeah, I think their defense having looked suspect and then for them to get a clean sheet uh, today, that's that's great for them. So, yeah, and we should mention at the bottom of the table, um, I think the there's not a lot of surprise at the bottom, but Sheffield United, uh, not they, they're the only team in the Premier League who hasn't scored a goal yet. <laughs> they lost 2-0 to Wolves, 1-0 one, one to Aston Villa, and then – um, they lost one nil to Leeds today. So, um, that's, that's a rough start for them, especially after having such a good, a good year, year last year. Yeah. 
what's our match of the week, Chris? What do you what do we got? What do you it's the must must see match of the weekend? It um I'll be honest, there's not a ton that just jump out, stand out for this coming week. Um, I will take Manchester United versus Tottenham probably as the match of the week, just from a historical and just two power, you know, two power teams uh, sure. going up against each other. Yep, I think that's a good call. I'm interested in Leeds City. Um, Leeds likes to score goals. City likes to give up goals. We'll see if Pep can can turn this team around. I mean, obviously on paper, City should crush Leeds, a newly promoted team, but this year's been been a little different so far. And so so we'll see how that goes. I'm here for the chaos. I love it. Love it. Me too. Kyle, uh, what match are you going to watch this weekend? Who are you going to focus on? Mate, you'll be happy to hear this week. I'm going to be focusing on get them up. W's up. The Wolves, baby. There we go. Over, uh, they're going to be playing my boys over at Fulham. So I fully expect uh should be about 6-7 nothing is what I'm thinking. I hope so. Wolves will be back at Molyneux. So you'll get to see – the way they they decorate their seats, the way they uh, get what phrases they put up there. And what what Bible verses do you guys have on your seats? Uh, I don't I don't think there are any. But remember, I told you like that uh, in our like introductory episode. One of the things I loved about Wolves was their their city slogan and their team slogan: "Out of darkness cometh light." So. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Well, if they live by that motto, there's going to be light this week because they are coming out of darkness <laughs> today. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, you know the other thing. Maybe next week, uh, Nate, you might need to address with Kyle how uh, English fans don't use the term "the" when speaking of their team. So they don't oh, yeah. say "the wolves." Mm. Wolves. Yep. Wolves, Spurs, not the Spurs, just Spurs, Wolves. There it is. Well, hopefully next next Sunday, next Sunday night I'll be up in Oregon um, visiting my family, and hopefully next Sunday night uh, I'll be much happier than I was tonight coming in here. So, and hopefully Wolves give you a good a good showing. They have been a fun team to watch, regardless of what uh, today looked like. So. They would be so much more fun with Pookie. They would be fun with Pookie. I was surprised when I saw that little report come through. Yeah, that was weird. All right, guys. That's it. Chris? Glazers out. Oli yeah. out. De Gea out. Disgruntled man, Manchester United fan. Kyle? Peace. See you, boys. Bye.